Hello and welcome. My name is Andrea Carpenter. I'm the Director of Women Talk Real Estate, and I'm delighted to be hosting this new podcast series from the Urban Land Institute. ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with a mission to shape the future of the built environment and to make transformative impact in communities. And this podcast will focus on that future and that transformative impact. ULI's European Young Leaders Group recently selected 10 outstanding contributors to the industry, hailing them as the new real estate vanguard. These are people in the early years of their career who have already demonstrated entrepreneurial flair or shaken up the corporate world. We'll use these podcasts to hear from each of them about their story, what brought them to real estate and how they are disrupting our industry. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Franz Deval, co-founder at Fryerum, a retail as a service provider based in Berlin that focuses on marketing the latest retail brands. With Fryerum sitting somewhere between online and offline, Franz is navigating the ever-challenging and changing world of retail real estate. So Franz, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much, Andrea. It's um, a pleasure to be here. So Franz, tell us a bit about the concept of Fryerum and how it intersects physical and um, digital retail. Yeah, sure. So we are um, with Freiraum, we are a retail as a service provider and we enable digital native brands, um, mostly online direct to consumer brands really, to seamlessly access physical retail while also ensuring that they can sell direct to their customers. And in doing so, it's very important for us that um, that offline piece is not competing with um, with online, but rather complementing it so that the brands um, or customers can offer their customers um, a fully integrated shopping journey. Okay. And so if, if I'm a brand, I come to you, I'm online, I want to find a way to complement that with a, a physical presence via, via you. Exactly. Okay. So basically, we we rent and we, we started off with a pilot here in, in Berlin, where we had 350 square meters. And in that space, we um, we had a modular furniture design, we had the POS, we had the sales staff. So basically, the full service package for the brands to just send us their products, and we'd create the experience uh, around that and integrate that with their online stores as well. Oh, that's really interesting. And then, and kind of the opposite of what's happening in life at the moment. Most of the physical stores want to be online. You're bringing those online ones to the physical. What do you think they were missing by not having that physical presence? What did you want to offer them in terms of that seamless opportunity? Yeah, I think um, in general, in general, our belief is that, um, you know, the focus is obviously um, more shifting and growing uh, to the aspect of fulfilling the personalized needs of each customer's. Right. And with that um, new focus, we believe that the boundary between offline and online commerce will ultimately disappear. And our mission is to build a one stop shop, if you want, for brands to integrate that offline distribution channel to those brands online online setup. And, you know, if we take a step back, perhaps, um, and just look at the current situation to put um, what we're doing into context, you know, the, 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 the current retail situation or maybe rather retail dilemma um uh, we can see that with a pandemic you know it's uh, traditional retail is, is really broken right um but at the same time i think the the benefits of stores are, are still unquestionable right so what can the store actually bring as a benefit to the customer is one um it's a point of experience so it's a physical touch point for for customers they can you know touch feel taste and try on products in in the store and at the other side of the spectrum it's a point of convenience as well and that convenience side is 
is related to logistics. Um, it's an access point for for um, for the customers to you know to collect, click and collect perhaps the products, but also to get them quicker through a ship from store sort of alternatives. So there's clear benefits that come from offline stores, but obviously you know they're, they're not uh, they can't survive at any cost. And um, if we look at what's happening at the moment with the online explosion, that imbalance um, really knocked out the current physical retail model, if you want, because. We think you know there's two main reasons involved in that, and that's one is pricing asymmetry, and the other one is um, the lack of in-store product rotation. And both of these are, are ultimately related to the procurement model, which is wholesale that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, so it buys into that kind of more bespoke and actually smaller approach to things rather than being wholesale, I think, by the sounds of it. Now, if, if I think about obviously this idea was pre-pandemic, it was a very tough time for retail even then, you know, one of the most challenged real estate sectors. So where does a seed of an idea like that come from, you know, that makes you want to look at one of the worst sectors and say, actually, I see an opportunity? Yeah, so I uh, spent um, close to six years at, at Tishman Spire and basically worked in different disciplines um, at Tishman Spire. I worked in development and um, acquisition, but also in asset management. And during my time in asset management, I manage a few properties here in Berlin now as well. And obviously I was confronted like any any other asset manager with um, growing vacancies in, in our buildings. And um, at the same time, though, we had lots of pop-up brands basically asking, requesting spaces. But then again, it was it was tough to go for, for these requests because it meant, you know, they would stay for maybe one or three months or but in you know short, short period of time and um, wouldn't really bring cash flow stability, but would mean a lot of admin work for us, right? So for us at Tishman, um, it wasn't wasn't really a sustainable concept, but um, I thought about it in, in more detail then obviously, and yeah, and, and came up with, with Freiraum basically to bridge those, um, to bridge those needs, right? Yes. The need of, of the landlord and the need of, of those pop-up as you say, um, packaging brands. up retail as a service in that way. Exactly. So to try enable almost be that middleman in that sense. And and you know, your six years at, at Tishman Spire, were they were they good important grounding for you to to do that? Do you think you could do you think there was always an entrepreneur inside of you or were you was this just an opportunity that came along? No, I think I mean Tishman Spy, my, my experience was absolutely invaluable, right? And um, it's it's just fascinating to work with um, so many smart people, and um, you know it inspires you and pushes you to to just constantly improve, right? But after six years, I, I thought you know let's let's try something else, and uh, Freiraum was an opportunity that obviously emerged, so I jumped onto that. But um, coming back to your point, um, whether I was an entrepreneur trapped in, in that company, I, I wouldn't really agree because if you, if you look at real estate, especially the way Tishman Spire is is, is dealing with it, um, it, it's a very local business, right? So the success of the company depends on the entrepreneurial spirit of. Um, you know, the people on the ground. And I think Tishman Spire is doing a really good job at, at promoting that entrepreneurial spirit on the ground. Um, so I think it was a, a precondition, really, or a prerequisite for 
for um, the you know us as a team at Tishman Spy to be entrepreneurial. But then again, obviously, you know, in a, in a big organization like them, um, there's certain standards that you need to adhere to that that limit you, and um, sometimes that um, you know that that yeah, I guess limit you in terms of breaking out and 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 trying something new. One obviously being um, very lengthy sort of reporting standards. Mm. Um, but no, I think uh, my time at Tishman Spire was, was definitely great grounding and, you know, showed me the, the, the landlord side and perspective on things as to how they would um, deal with the retail component and what they would really need. Right? And was there a particular catalyst that made you think, yes, I'm going to go for it, I'm going to leave and I'm going to set this business up? So my, um, I, I actually, I, I quit Tishman Spire in 2018 with the, with the idea and I actually did that as well of um, doing a winemaking course in, in Bordeaux. <laughs> <laughs> so quite something different. And I guess my, my way of, of doing an MBA, if you want. Um, but I obviously had the idea of Freiraum, Freiraum in mind, right? And I developed that alongside my time in, in Bordeaux with a friend who was at the time at um, Rocket Internet here in Berlin. And yeah, so I, you know, continuously thought about the idea and um, being in Bordeaux, seeing that uh, vacancies weren't any any different, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it became pretty apparent to me that this is not just a Berlin phenomenon, but it was actually global, right? And um, not that Bordeaux and Berlin are the only places in the, in, in the world, but, you know, it was just another hint as to, you know, what was happening. So yeah, and I think that that reinforced my 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 idea as to um, as to you know conceptualizing um, Freiraum even further. And um, as I came back from Bordeaux, I um, I got together with my colleague um, and co-founder Emmanuel, and um, we started uh, developing it further and um, partnered up with Tishman Spire to to um, set out on 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 this mission. And um, yeah, that was. In, in, in 2019 then and yeah. we opened our first pilot store and, and yes you said you have your pilot store do you see the model as scalable was that always something you wanted to achieve yeah i think it's you know as you look at it um it doesn't seem that scalable but um what we're doing at the moment um because ultimately i, knew, I mean we we didn't do realist uh, retail and uh, before we started this right and then um you you very quickly realize that running a store is, is a lot of work right? mm, yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah retail is detail i guess and um so it, it came evident to us that this the way we're doing it now is probably not going to be the scalable approach to to doing things so you know we, we we focused and i think this was a part of of the pandemic as well we we focused on building more a platform as well right so building a marketplace and um, offering that marketplace, not just to brands, but also offering it to third-party retailers. So um, having yeah, third-party retailers offer their services and their spaces uh, on, a, on a sort of subletting um, structure to, to the brands that we work with, right? And um, us basically providing all of the um, inventory management systems, the POS and so on, for the two um, to work seamlessly together. And okay. this is pretty much where we are at at the moment. Okay, yeah. so you'll now work with retailers to maybe let some of their space using your systems in that way and buying into exactly. your services. Okay, so it doesn't sound like you're in real estate anymore. It sounds like you're in the retail business. Is is what? How do you um? How do you how do you describe yourself and the business you're in? You know, I think real estate. If 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 you look at it, I mean, I've. 
I've always been fascinated by by real estate um, because it's if you want an integral part to to building social interaction, right? And for me, it's it's much more than just brick walls because real estate conveys atmosphere, and and that's something that that can only be sensed in in reality, right? So that real aspect of the estate for me is is super instrumental in in driving creativity, productivity, but also ultimately happiness, right? Um, so the question really is what makes the real? And uh, in my opinion, it's not merely the space, but really what is offered within. And um, yeah, a big part of this within is obviously the service and the amenities aspect of, of buildings. And uh, that's yes, that's, which is becoming much more important. Exactly yeah. right, and this is the way we look at real estate. And I think this this is something, as you say, which other people are also seeing as becoming much more important. And it's a an holistic approach um, and looking at the needs of the people that work, live, and shop in those buildings, and you know, trying to 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 uh, yeah, build the services and amenities that these people actually want. So providing areas simply is not not enough anymore, especially when, you know, working remotely and basically everything can be done remotely today. Right. Yeah. So the service and amenities aspect is something that that always you know needs to be considered much, much more and that needs to be developed alongside that space aspect now. Yeah, I mean, I do see a parallel there with obviously um, offices as a service, you know, the the influence that companies like WeWork have had on the general um, general kind of um, letting of offices and things like that. Do you think that your model could have that same influence on traditional retailers and how they might look at use, you know, combining that physical and digital offering? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's that's the um, route we're going down now um, with Byron. Um, it's it's basically the shared economy, if you want, right? And we've we've seen that trend in in um, in, in yeah in the office space with co-working. We've seen it in the residential space with um, co-living, and now um, retail is another sector that is is going down that that route. And um, it doesn't make sense for a brand that doesn't know how effective one place or one store will actually be for them to rent that space for a long long period, right? And um, to have that as a liability on the balance sheets. Um, but it makes much more sense for that brand to to try out and be flexible on 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 yeah on that store. And in order to get it to that flexibility, I think the only way is is a sharing sharing sort of approach to retail. And this is what we're in for at the moment with Byron. And it's it's shop and shop, right? And um, while we can be the the, the operators uh, in running these shops, I think it also makes sense for uh, third party retailers to be running those shops for other brands. And this is the connection that we're building at the moment. Excellent. Sounds interesting. Is that taking off, or they, are they, is that ongoing discussions at the moment? Do you have any examples of where that's happened as yet? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we're in a in a discussion, or more than a discussion. We actually agreed a contract with a very big um, German uh, retail chain. They have 170 um, stores in Germany, and we um, will be working with them on their big flagship store that they're opening in in Düsseldorf in in September. And um, yeah, we'll we'll bring all brands, and they will be the ones providing the space and the services. And that's that's the first pilot as to you know opening or platform to a, to a third party retailer. And are there, are there international ambitions after that? Yeah, but it's <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes sense to to focus and get it right 
in in um, in smaller and um, uh, you know singular locations before um, expanding. I think I'm I'm a big fan of of getting things right before you you grow too too quickly because I think at this time um, of of our company um, it's it's very dangerous to to accelerate too quickly. And I don't hear of too many other competitors doing it quite in this way. There are companies that are max, trying to maximize those vacant spaces at the moment. But I wonder if you feel like you're one of a, only a few that might be offering that full package, that service, that link with the online. Yeah, I think we are actually in, in Germany, at least. We, we are the uh, only provider doing it in, in this particular way. I mean, there, there's uh, three other retailers and service providers in Germany. But they are not actually linking linking the offline dimension with the online dimension, and I think that's that's very important. And that's the experience we 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 obviously made in our store that you know you don't you don't want to lose a customer uh, leaving your store, but you want to actually be able to 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 um, to retarget him, and that you can only do if you have an online dimension to your business, and mm. this is what we're doing. And that if you want is what has been coined as omni-channel, right? And yeah. this is what we're building up. Yeah. And and how have you evolved as a leader now by running your own business? Yeah, I mean, as a as a as a leader, it's so. I think that first of all, the number one challenge in, in building a business, I think, is finding finding the best talent to complement your own shortcomings, right? And mm-hmm. that's that's the number one rule. And then obviously creating a culture in your company that allows that talent to 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 really unfold, right? And I'm far from having mastered this challenge and it's it's a lesson that i'm reminded of each day really and in fact i, I would probably do very well in getting some more guidance on the do's and don'ts but yeah that's 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 a continuous learning yeah. and, and, um, and what were you maybe not prepared for it sounds like you know this retail is detail you might not have been prepared for all that detail yeah no and uh, as you say right retail is also if you, if you look at what we're doing it's it's, it's pretty diverse i mean we, we you know we're, we're running an online business here but at the same time where we have people do the, the sales job in the store and managing that diversity of disciplines is, is actually quite quite a challenge um and where i think we're, we're getting better every day but it's um something that obviously we we naively at the beginning threw ourselves into and um yeah but it's 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 fun and uh it's quite something and if that wasn't challenging enough you've had the pandemic We've had the last sort of 15 months or so handling that. How, what did that do to the business? How did you respond to that? Yeah, I think the, the pandemic was obviously a, a very tough one for us. I mean, we started the store in uh, December 19 and were open for uh, three months um, before we had to close again. So that was clearly a bummer for, for, for the business because we, we started with the value proposition of running offline stores. But at the same time, it also helped us kick off the, the online side of things. And um, yeah, we used the time to, I wouldn't say redefine ourselves, but you know, to, to, to complement that online piece to our offline operation. And we developed a complete online marketplace with now about 130 brands and over 10,000 um, products on that marketplace. And that really acts as a centerpiece to our offline operation as well. Because for us, what is very important is that, you know, you, you create one single source of truth in terms of data management system. And that needs to be sit- sitting in the in the middle of offline and online. And this is what we've built um, during during the, 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 the lockdown. 
And this is something obviously that will be powering our offline operation as well. So, you know, while the offline business obviously suffered a lot, I think we were lucky to be um, building that digital marketplace now, which is a backbone of, of everything we do. And that presents a scalable case to, to our business as well, because it basically the information that we run and that we manage in that uh, centerpiece is feeding into each of those channels. Mm. So it helped you remain resilient, really, by having that online thing to focus off and the offline would come back, the physical would come back at some point. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's clearly an hypothesis, right? I mean, we, we, we who knows, right? Mm. Who knows whether people, I mean, there's been a dramatic shift of people um, that formerly all bought offline um, that now uh, love to shop online, right? So who, who knows whether these people are actually going to come back? And, you know, our hypothesis still remains that the benefits of, of offline are there and we believe in it, but it's something that only time will tell, I think. Um, but we are, we're ready to, to accommodate people and to make an experience for these shoppers offline as well. I mean, we need that transition, don't we? We need to get to the right level of retail in this omni-channel world. Do you think there's, do you think the pandemic has sort of accelerated that transition? You know, unfortunately, some, you know, has meant the closure of some businesses, but it's allowed others to adapt and change as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there, there was, and that was a point I was making earlier on the, on the wholesale model. Um, if maybe we can, we can just take a step back to that. I mean, um, the, the problem with the wholesale model is that um, it, it brings pricing asymmetry and, um, you know, a lack of in-store product rotation, right? And the pricing asymmetry problem, um, when you compare online to offline, is, is, a, is, a big, is a big cost that offline stores are, are having because ultimately it means that the, the customer that is shopping in the store is, is always going to get the, the, the worst price because the price um, bakes and um, obviously massive markups and those markup markups need to be applied because um, the stores have big operation and, and um, space costs, right? But the, what the stores are doing is they're handing it on to the customers. So mm. in today's world, the problem is that, that the offline prices will not be able to compete with online prices. So um, what's happening is that customers are exploiting um, the benefits that they're getting offline by, you know, testing products and so on offline, but then ultimately turn to online to to buy it, and that's obviously a, a dilemma that that doesn't that doesn't work, right? And um, yeah. I think that's that's something that that uh, obviously needs to be needs to be fixed, yeah. And um, that has become even more apparent now and evident um, during during the pandemic. Um, and yeah, what we'll see is a, is a consolidation in the market. And I think those players or retailers that will not be able to transition to a new model, uh, a basically marketplace model that is similar to what we're seeing online um, and that will be stuck with their wholesale procurement model, will have a very tough time, you know, providing the real value um, and the benefits um, that, that customers are actually looking for when they go shopping offline, right? Yeah, and it sounds like obviously it's, uh, the retail landscape has been dominated by big chains, but the type of work that you will do would also help smaller and medium-sized retailers adapt and make sure that they can, you know, they can survive when people do want differentiation, do want kind of specialist products. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's that's the key, right? And um, that also plays on the point of, of product rotation. I think a, a big part of the offline store is discovery, right? And the experience factor. But you can only get that experience and uh, discovery factor if if there is a is a product rotation. And I think the Ortega Group um, with Zara, Massimo and so on have done a really good job in, in, in doing that. But obviously that's fast fashion, right? And they, they changed their their products on a on a two weekly basis, I think. But it, it meant that people always came back to the stores because there was always something new to to discover. And I think this is what we're in for. Only that we're doing that product rotation through having different brands curate that space, right? Um, but that can only be that can only be done um, if you're not going through the traditional route of of wholesaling. But if you're going through a route of of creating that offline. Um, space um, as a marketplace and and um, integrating that into what 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 we're seeing and what we've been seeing over the last um, five to ten years online already. Okay, and when you think about um, where you're going to take your career um, going forward, is this something that you're really passionate about? You'll stay with this for a long time, or are there other entrepreneurial ideas that you have up your sleeve as well? Yeah, I think. I mean, we we. We, we, we've only started uh, two years ago and um, we've obviously had the pandemic in, in, in the way, which meant we, I wouldn't say we lost a year because we were obviously able to develop the digital part of it. But, um, you know, it, it, I think it takes another at least one to two years to really validate your hypothesis as to whether the, the, the offline piece um, uh, is going to um, yeah, retain its attractiveness to, to customers, right? And I'm definitely, definitely going to um, keep on, keep on um, trying that and, 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 and monitoring that and being part of Freiraum in that time to see, you know, wh- where it's headed. Because obviously, as you uh, you know, if if you spend two or three or four years working on a vision um, that was conceptualized in your in your in your mind and in your head, you you get very um, you get very uh, uh, passionate about it. And um, yeah, I'm I'm passionate about my role here, and I'm passionate about Freiraum, and I think there's lots of lots of ways to develop it further because. Um, as, as we've said before, I think that the problem is so massive and mm-hmm. um, I'm a big believer that where, where there's a problem, there's always a solution. And um, yeah, we're, 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 we're working towards um, making the retail world a, a better one in, in the 21st century. Good. And for those sort of coming into real estate now, what advice would you give them? Would you tell them to go and do a good stint at somewhere like Tishman Spire and then use that as a platform for other ideas? Um, so first of all, I would obviously say to come work with us. Um, where you said <laughs> we're you were looking for the right for. talent. Yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, this is a nice platform to actually advertise that. Um, no, we'd, we'd you know always be looking, or we are always looking for for good people to join us. But as a general advisor, I would probably say, as the real estate world is is so big and there's so many disciplines and various categories you can you can you can work, and I think it's it really makes sense to to work, you know, across roles and try out different things, right? And um, there's definitely always going to be something that um, that is going to be a fit for 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 anyone, right? And that that person can th- uh, thrive in. So I think it's really about um, trying out different things and finding what what uh, what is right for you. I think. And finally, can you um can you recommend a book, a business book, or a podcast, or something that sort of has inspired you in your professional life? What I've actually recently read is um, AI Superpowers by Kai Fu Lee. And um, I'm not sure whether that, that, that the term inspired is the right 
sensation here. I think it's probably more, it astonished me, right? Because it's just incredible. Uh, in this book, um, he, he's, he's talking about the transition of um, basically, yeah, as, as the title says, AI and, you know, what, what this leads into. And um, it's just incredible to see how, with what pace and how quickly that that trend is is actually being dropped onto our planet and you know who are the players behind it um driving that change and what ultimately um what sort of shifts it brings to to our everyday lives and i think there's there's going to be um at least as the impression i'm getting from from reading this book there's going to be a lot of a lot of change for for uh, each one of us and that change is probably not going to uh, be that far away i think it's going to happen over the next five to ten years so it's it's exciting times also a little bit scary i guess but um no that's definitely a book i can i can recommend yeah it's a great recommendation i think real estate's going to be touched by ai as well most definitely so and um, franz thank you so much it's been a, a real pleasure to speak with you today thank you so much for joining us thank you andrea thank you we hope you've enjoyed this podcast to find out more about the other episodes of this series, go to the Young Leaders page on the ULI Europe website.